The following broadcast has been approved for elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane, drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz is only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk Live on AtTheHive.com. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan. We are live in the Gittimer.com studios in beautiful Uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson. And I'm uh, I'm David Walker, Doug. I, uh, <laughs> you sound sad. I wanted, I wanted, you sound disappointed that you're David Walker. I wanted, to get, I wanted to get the housekeeping out of the way first. Follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live and on the internet at HiveTalkLive.com. But real quick, Doug, I, I was thinking about this mm-hmm. show, and we're going through a bit of a lull. Uh, here in Hornets Nation. Yeah, not and, on the show, but yeah, Hornets. Yeah, 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 exactly. A little bit of a so, losing streak. You know, and, and understandably, it's understandable if we have some down some down listeners out there tonight. And and I was thinking about, uh, this is, I just want to get serious for a second. Um, there's an episode of Say by the Bell and um, Save the Max. I'm sure you're familiar with it. A.C. Slater comes in and he swoops in and he saves the day. Uh, they're doing an all-night telethon. Everyone else is tired. Zach Morris, his voice is out, kind of like you last week. Uh, the big bopper, Mr. Belding, he's trying to keep up alive. And then A.C. Slater swoops in, mm-hmm. rejuvenates the troops, gets everything back on their feet, and, and gives just a one big group hug to everyone and gets everyone going in the right direction. So that is what this show is going to be like tonight. We are going to rally the troops. We're going to discuss some things. And we're going to figure out how we can turn this thing around. And it was a Belding hug. Right, a big belding hug. So that's what this show is. It's a big, like forty-five-year-old balding man hug. Bring it in for the real thing, everyone out there. That's a great way, I think, to describe this show. You like that music that I played for you there? A little mood music. <laughs> that was our feelings music when we talk about our feelings occasionally. <laughs> I, I, did I scare you? And I was, I was getting kind of emotional there. I liked it. All right. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Hive Talk Live. And again, you can listen to us live every Tuesday at six o'clock p.m right here on HiveTalkLive.com. And starting on January 21st, that's a Thursday, you can listen to us live at 6 p.m. every Thursday for Hive Talk Live Thursdays brought to you by ESPN 730. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast aggregator to get shows uploaded to your mobile device of choice. Coming up on this show, we've got uh, one of our favorites, Justin Thomas from ESPN 730, a new segment we're introducing here on the Tuesday show Justin will be our co-host for the Thursday shows, but he'll join us every Tuesday as well for a segment we're calling Inside the Locker Room, where he'll bring us a quote either from practice or the locker room, post-game, pre-game, something that is interesting and we will discuss. So that should be a great segment. And we've got a special hashtag somewhere in this show. You'll have to listen to the whole thing uh, to, to get this hashtag And it's part of our ticket giveaway. We're giving away two tickets, our seats, our Hive Talk Live seats, uh, to Utah versus Charlotte on January 18th. That tip is at 2 o'clock p.m. on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And we're giving away those two tickets, and we'll have a special hashtag that can get you two, count them one, two entries into that uh, selection. And I will make that selection on the Saturday sit-down this weekend. And so if you've already entered, if you already retweeted our first tweet or, or tweeted our first hashtag, you can still tweet this hashtag. So tweet us with the hashtag that's coming up. I'll say it later on in the show. And then you can uh, get some extra entries. I love it. I love this new edition. We, David, we keep... you're not allowed to enter. Uh, I don't love it that much anymore then. <laughs> we should know these these are not the world famous uh Doug Branson seats that that you were caught on television, live no, television. No, okay, okay. No, those yeah, were yeah. those were graciously uh, awarded to me by a fan of the show. Uh, but no, these are our still seats. good seats. Still good seats. Hey. I like them. I enjoy them. It's where I take the you know when I'm doing the live tweets from the home games. It's where we sit. And and a, and a cool tip. I mean, a cool game to go to. I think that I'm glad the Hornets still do that or still schedule that, and the NBA does it that way. I went to that game last year. First game with uh, the little guy, and we lasted about a quarter, so we did pretty well. Nice, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And now you've got you've got another little one, so yeah, yeah. That, uh, that's why I don't go to any games. <laughs> that's why I don't want these tickets. <laughs> and with that, we say, let's swarm Charlotte. 
All right, we have to recap uh, the week that was, and really the the seven game losing streak that was. We we have to tackle some of these brutal numbers because look, part of this is facing facts. You have to you have to confront the problem. You have to recognize the problem, David. You know before it gets fixed. So I'm gonna I'm gonna run through some numbers and then we'll talk. The Hornets have lost their last seven games. Most hardcore Hornets fans know that. Since December 30th, a.k.a. since this streak started, their offensive rating is back under 100. So that's not good. The defensive rating is at 112. That's really not good. That's actually second worst. Worst in the league during that stretch was Phoenix, who beat the Hornets on Wednesday. Assist per 100 possessions down to 14. That's second worst in the league. Before the streak, the Hornets were averaging nearly 17 assists per 100 possessions the ball's been stuck in the mud. I mean, it's not moving as – and a lot of that had to do with Nick Batum being out for an yep. extended period. We saw the ball move a little better in Denver. In fact, he came out and had – seemed like three straight assists to Cody Zeller on three straight Hornets possessions. So that will probably start to correct itself. But the question I think, David, is will the defense start to finally correct itself? And that's the big thing, right? I mean, we've been looking for that consistency on defense, you know, pretty much all year. We we, we knew that, that there would maybe be a dip in that once the offense was going up. They're playing at a higher pace. They're scoring more points. So yeah. it made a little sense that, you know, there would be a little lull on defense. And I just keep coming back to these injuries, honestly. I mean, that's got to be the biggest factor right now. Um, and, and Nick Batum commented in an article last week um, that they just need to get one. They just need to get one defensive performance, one win, one game to get the ball rolling. And, I mean, that is that is true. They are desperate for a win right now, and it's it just it's such a bad time for all these injuries to be hitting them. Obviously, it's never a great time. But, um, you know, we looked at the beginning of this year, this road trip in particular, as we were kind of previewing this start of the this portion of the season this first part of the year and there was danger and it's 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 been not great it's been bad and I think that every team apart from the natural contenders are going to go through stretches like this in fact Washington went through a stretch like this early in the season and now they're getting back on track just as the Hornets are getting off the rails a little bit so Again, you're going to go through these stretches, but at some point they have to respond with, what, three home games coming up out of their next four games. You hope that uh, this is the opportunity for the Hornets to finally respond. And honestly, David, I just thought the Hornets haven't been able to get the offense and the defense playing well together at the same time. And I don't know if that's a rhythm thing, if that's an injury thing, but Games that the de- the defense finally stepped up late in, in this losing streak, the offense didn't play well. And then early in this streak, the offense was playing well and the defense couldn't get a stop to save their lives. And then in this Denver game, it was even more confounding because you, you get Batum back. He goes immediately back into the starting lineup. And it seemed like for different portions of that game, the offense and the defense couldn't get it together. And I think you have to hope that that addition him bringing him back that's obviously going to help and, and and you know that was a game they still should have won you could say they still could have won they're certainly capable of beating a Denver team that even you know that's a back-to-back game at Denver that's historically going to be difficult for any traveling team to deal with elevation all that good stuff you hear about playing in Denver but you hope that maybe Maybe they can get back on track with Batum firmly back. You know, that first game back, there's always maybe a little feeling out, maybe a little getting back to normal. I just think, you know, Kim, you look at Kemba's numbers in that game. I, I think that that this stretch has really worn on him. And you can see it. He's getting frustrated, um, which is understandable. But he, he's he's been forced back into old Kemba. You know, he had so many options this year with all the new additions um, that will let him play better and let him get more efficient. And he's been forced to take some of those shots that we were used to him, him taking over the last, you know, first part of his career where there just weren't a lot of other good options. And he's saying to himself, I've got to take this shot, even if it's a bad shot. Do you think that maybe part of this, so we, we've talked a lot about rim protection. Do you mm-hmm. think that part of this is that without sufficient rim protection, 
the, the so early in the season, the Hornets they were able to sort of get away with it. I think teams are getting trying to find a rhythm, trying to make shots. There's a lot of uh, coalescing that every team does at the beginning of the season, and maybe the Hornets took advantage of that. And now that teams are starting to put it together, they're I feel like they're hitting a lot more three pointers. And I don't know necessarily if the Hornets are doing any better at guarding the three now than they did early in the season. It just seems like now maybe those shots are starting to drop and the Hornets have to play off the three-point line. I mean, they can't can't space out on defense as much as they want to because there is no one down there, not enough, you know, meat down there to really do anything about drives. And that's a gamble. You mentioned it in in your Saturday sit-down. That was a gamble they made in this offseason, letting Bismack Biombo go, uh, playing with the guys they had there, and it's just been what you were all what we were afraid of seeing, which is like you said, there, once that first line of defense is broken, <laughs> there's nobody back there. Uh, there's nobody going to stop anybody mm-hmm. with certainly no one with intent on getting to the basket. So that's been the most frustrating part. And you know, you <laughs> uh, Clifford. Even in these losses, I look forward to his little brief post-game chat as much as he, I'm sure, hates it. And those ones on the road are brief. But, like, you know, he's just looking for answers right now, I feel like. And they all are. They they need this stuff like this. You just need to get a win however you can get it. And I don't feel great about this Hawks game because I never feel great about playing the Hawks. But it is at home. Um, you maybe can get back some some guys, maybe get some rest, maybe get some legs back. But they got to figure out a way to get a win here. Well, I mean, and in all fairness to to Steve Clifford, adjustments are being made game to game to try to plug the holes in this defense. I noticed in the second half against Denver that they were sending Cody Zeller if if the uh, strong side was going trying to go trying to go baseline drive, they would send Cody Zeller over to double to try to get the ball back out to the top. So, I mean, I can see little adjustments being made in the defense. I just, when I hear Steve Clifford talk after these these road games, I, I feel a sense of, not desperation, but like the onus is on the players, like in terms right. of defense. And, and I've said that before. Like, I, I feel like coaches can be a lot more hands-on with offense, but with defense, guys have to play together. It has to be on a rope. I mean, it's to me, it's just so much more of a player thing, an effort thing, defense, than offense. And right now, these guys aren't on the same page defensively. And that's something I was going to bring. I'm glad you mentioned that. This was really apparent in the Phoenix game to me. For whatever reason, this team... You know, that's a game – I believe they had a night off before. Um, it's a game against Phoenix. We looked at it and said, that's a winnable game. Mm-hmm. If you're going to get a win here, get things right back on track. It's not going to be a good win if you win. It's going to be a bad loss if you lose. Mm-hmm. They lost, but that game was there for the taking. And something we've talked about with this current core, or this current lineup, or this current roster, there, I continue to search for a guy that says – we're not losing this game. I'm going to take control of it. I mean, Kimball wants to be that guy, but I didn't feel like he can be that guy. He on can offense. be that guy on offense, right? But there's, to your point on defense, there's not any. It doesn't look like there's any communication uh, at at times. There's nobody. There's not a lot of talking, and you saw it on that last. There's play. a lot of overhelping. Yeah, the miscommunication and the PJ Tucker three were a perfect example. I mean, you can pick that out because it was so obvious. But they don't. The personalities on this team have never been and I think Kemba and Al are the leaders on this team. There's no there's there there's hasn't no been a dynamic, Kevin Garnett right. type of And you saw what happened. Lance, for whatever Lance is, is a dominant personality. Didn't mesh here. Well, we don't need to revisit that, but it's just not <laughs> there's just not that personality on this team that's gonna take everybody and, you know, like you said, a Kevin Garnett is gonna headbutt the stanchion and, you know, get people fired up and you know, there's what there's nothing you can do about that right now with the current guys. You're not going to change who these guys are. Well, and I think are. look, some some teams have to play with heart on their sleeves, but this team has shown an ability in the past, this past year, and in the past years, to play with 
their brain on their sleeve. They've been able to mentally yeah, and they stay have, 100% on defense throughout an entire game, which is difficult. And they have good chemistry. You know, They have good chemistry. They, they play well together. And when the chips are down, obviously, it's going to be more difficult. I mean, it's going to be difficult, it's, but it's also going to be more important for, for to have a guy like that who's going to take control. And, you know, even when Al's in there, he neither he nor Kimba are really that type of, of leader or player, um, good or bad or whatever. That's just not who they are. At least I haven't seen that. So, you know, I don't know that there's someone on this roster that's going to be that guy. So that's not something that's likely to change. And again, when everything's going bad like it is in this stretch, you know, it's more obvious and it stands out. But that was just, I was just like, man, watching that Suns game, you're like, guys, someone get in there, get in the huddle, you know, right. slap her, wake up and, and, and get a game and get a win and get out of here. You know what that sound means? Did I run over? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, it means it's time for uh, Inside the Locker Room with Justin Thomas from ESPN 730. He joins us now. Justin, how are you, my friend? Hey, I, I can't complain, guys. I'm, I'm alive and well. How about yourself? Good, good. So uh, we're we're introducing this new segment called Inside the Locker Room with Justin Thomas because you, sir, are inside the locker room after games. You're you're at practice. You're all over the place. You got the insider information, and, and you brought us some some sweet audio from head coach Steve Clifford today at practice. Shall we play it? Let's get it on. All right, so you add, before I play it, I guess we should introduce it. This is like a late night show that's introducing a movie clip. So listen, what have you what have you done? What's this movie you're working on? Um, this you asked uh, Clifford what was the most frustrating thing about this seven game losing streak, and this is what he had to say. Well, obviously, it's the defense. Obviously, you know we got to get back to uh, in the. Games 12 through 23, we're the second best defensive team in the league against a good schedule. So we're we're capable of much better. Um, and then I think at that point our good defense was leading to good offense. On the nice one, the ball doesn't go in the basket like in Denver. You've got to be able to de- defend no matter what. You know, and that's what the best teams do. All right, Justin, that was uh, head coach Steve Clifford after practice today. What do you think? I mean, it seems like. Steve Clifford still believes that he has the same talent that he had at the beginning of the season, and it's just a matter of execution. You know, I I go back and forth on this, and I watch these games, and I'm I'm just left scratching my head because it's it's small things. Um, I can remember a possession during the Phoenix game where Jeremy Lamb and Brian Roberts, their guy, switched, but blatantly nobody switched which led to a wide open Mm three-pointer and it's little things like that 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 drives a head coach crazy and i i do believe they might be able to get back to it but i can tell you it's wearing on them after clifford was um done dressing the media kimber came over for a minute or so and his body language he said you know we're going to keep plugging at it you had a great practice and guys really want to win, but his body language was as if, you know, he's going to keep trying his hardest, but as far as his supporting cast, it just looked like he doesn't know who's going to show up or who's going to play any defense. Well, and and, and I think that's a good point, Justin, because this isn't a Kemba thing. This isn't a Jeremy Lin thing. This isn't even, and we've profiled some of the struggles that Jeremy Lamb has had on defense, but it's not just a Jeremy Lamb thing. I mean, this these defensive issues seem to go across the board, including P.J. Hairston, who's been caught on a couple of bad switches or overplays or overhelps, and he's supposed to be the defensive stopper on this team, but the, but the issues are, are widespread, and, and you just have to think that, you know, they, they – well, here's – no, here's the, the, the thought that just popped into my head. Do you think that there may be this sense that they are now just kind of waiting on MKG to get back? that this news comes out and they're like, okay, you know, maybe there's a little bit of unconscious letting the foot off the gas because they know their defensive stopper could return earlier than a lot of people thought. I don't believe so because if they keep playing this bad, there will be no reason for Michael K. Gilchrist to show up and make a run for 25 games or so because they're, 
the East, everybody knows it's tight knit. In a month, in a month, we talked. One month ago, we talked. The Hornets were a top eight seed, even getting to second. A month later, they are, I believe, 10, two and a half games out of eight, and they have been horrible. If you look at just for the past 10 games, the Charlotte Hornets have been the worst team in the NBA. They are on a seven-game losing streak. That's one game worse than the Philadelphia 76ers. Oof, yeah, the Hornets are now, th- yeah, they're three games under 500, 11th in the East, and, and like you said, two and a half games out of eighth place. But I, you look at the roster, it's the same roster. <laughs> That's what's, you know, confounding about this. And it, I, I guess, again, it just goes to how defense is is such a mental and, and an effort type of thing. And I, you watch games, and, and there was a time of, actually, I, if we can, Take one more quote. I want to give you a quote um, from Clifford after the Clippers game. And it'll, I'll just start in the middle of the quote. Actually, I'll give you the full quote. And this is what Clifford said. He didn't even take questions. It's rare that Clifford gives a statement and leaves. He's done that, I believe, two times, maybe three at the most. It rarely happens. And that's when you know he's ticked off. He said, if our expectations of ourselves are going to be that low, we're not going to meet the challenges we're, that we need to be. At the beginning of the season, I told them I thought we could be a very good team, but everyone has to confront the facts and realize that they're going to have to have career years. They all have to do things they've never done before. It starts with an approach, intensity, and the demanding of yourself. When that starts to change, we'll play better. That has yet to change, and they have not played better since that Clippers loss. Yeah, and I think they were doing that the first part of the season. You know, there were guys that were having career years or at least had improved and made jumps, you know, in areas that we were looking for. You know, Kemba made a jump. I mean, Lamb, you'd have to consider the first part of this year a career year just based on the chances he got. Lynn was looking good. Uh, Batum was really flourishing. And then you go into these, you know, I think a couple of things. Obviously, injuries, the schedule got harder. Uh, they went on the road for a little bit. Their record on the road is is nowhere near as good. It's four and thirteen. Um, so I mean, I think a, a lot of it is happening at the same time. But Clifford has been really consistent with that thought. Going back to you know the first day he walked in the door, if you don't play hard every night, regardless of what this roster looks like, you know you're not going to have you're not going to have a good shot at beating some of these teams, uh, especially on the road. And that's been something that's reared its head again. And um, you know, like I said. He's frustrated, it looks like to me. You probably know better than we do, but it looks like this this road trip has really worn on them for, for obvious reasons, and they just need to get their head back above water. Yeah, no, I, I think that's dead on, and I, I think that there isn't – I don't know if there is a guy on on the roster right now that's that's playing that derives intensity from great defensive play. Like Bismack Biombo was one of those guys last season. MKG, obviously, one of those guys. Yeah, that's a good point. But I mean, there there are a lot of players on this roster, a lot that we added, like Jeremy Lin and Jeremy Lamb, that I think, you know, get a lot of their intensity from what they're able to accomplish on offense, and then let that. Very and true. I think I think the danger there is that you let that then dictate your defense, and you can't, you absolutely can't do that. Because we know that offense is streaky. It's just it's it's part of the not only the NBA experience but just the basketball experience. That, yeah, that's that, 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 defense carries you. I mean, offense is not going to be there every night. That, that's that's a basic basketball one on one. And so I I don't know if maybe maybe Batum is that quiet, but no, or maybe not so quiet presence that can that can reassemble, put back together Humpty Dumpty of this defense because. You know, somebody again, like like David said. I mean, somebody has to step up and say that. You know, this if this defense doesn't improve, this season could soon be lost because we're 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 heading into that territory. And I don't I don't know if there's a guy to to be honest on this roster that's just going to step it up and say, guys, we we have to get we have to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, the dynamic of their, their locker room there. They're all mellowed out guys. Nobody is extremely fiery. Nobody's a, a in your face like, hey, we have to do this. Clifford is coaching his heart out 
And then he needs somebody on the floor to say, guys, look, we, we have talent. Um, I would say probably also a month ago, Kimball Walker um, told us, uh, the media, he said, um, you know, we're a good team. It's time we start playing like it. And they were doing that. And now they're playing awful. And Clifford can only do so much. Like, somebody has to step up, whether it's Batum, whether it's Walker. Somebody has to be a voice and say, guys, we have to change or this season is going to go down the drain. Yeah, and I think you part of it, too, I think, is you have to react to a, a missed switch or, or an overplay on defense. You have to react to that in the same way that you react to a missed shot. And that's with this attitude of, okay, put that away. Next, we'll get him next time. You know, you can't get concerned with one missed shot or it turns into two missed shots, into four missed shots. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to then come down and, you know, reestablish yourself and reestablish that defensive identity possession to possession, not game to game, but possession to possession. I want to go back to one thing that Clifford did say in the quote that we played earlier. He mentioned games 12 through 23 when the Hornets were one of the best defensive teams in the league. And and I think that's a poignant example because half of those games in that stretch, Al Jefferson played a significant role in those games, you know, 25 to 30 minutes. And in half of those games, Al Jefferson was out with that initial injury. So I think that's a, a perfect point. It's like without one of their biggest stars, they were still able to be a good defensive team without, you know, that big presence down low, they were still able to limit three point opportunities. So I think, again, that's Clifford's way of saying like this team, despite what they've shown over the past seven games is capable of really good defensive play. But you, again, you have that there, there's a commitment there that has to happen every single possession. And there hasn't been, you know, and and where has the ball pressure been? There really, there really hasn't been a ton of ball pressure either. Uh, and you know, they've played a lot of good guards. And you know, you you say, well, maybe one part of that is they don't have that interior presence. So, you know, the the danger with with overdoing the ball pressure is that you allow that penetration. But I don't know. There just hasn't been that. Uh, that identity, that defensive identity, and turning defense into offense that we saw earlier in the year. Yeah, and you know we Something mentioned has to change. Yep, and we mentioned MKG briefly, and it can't be understated or can't be overstated. Obviously, how big he is for this team because he is that one guy. He's not super vocal, but his play changes. You know, can change the course of a game, a possession, and he's really the only guy on the team. He was like that last year. Uh, he's been like that since he's been here. Really, they can come in there and affect the game with his play and with his energy. Um, and they just miss him so much right now. I mean, it's a shame. There's not much they can do about it. Maybe he will be able to come back. But uh, Justin, as you said, you know, if he keeps going this way, you know, what would be the point of bringing him back towards the end of the season? I, I think the East, as it is, is going to be jumbled enough where things are going to have to go horrible from now until the end of the season for them to be completely out of it. It just feels like they're going to have a shot, you know, in this East. But, um, you know, aside from getting him back, that we just got finished discussing that, saying that same thing. The makeup of this roster is just not one that has uh, these vocal guys that's going to snap them out of it. And, and especially in that Phoenix game, that's what we were looking for. Somebody just take the reins and say, hey, come on. Let's get a stop and let's get out of here with a win. And, and it's just not – I don't know that that's on the roster now, and that's that's maybe the biggest concern. Justin, you're going to be joining us, uh, joining the team for Hive Talk Live Thursdays on ESPN 730. What can fans expect out of this uh, this new Thursday edition of Hive Talk Live? Um, I would say you're going you're gonna to get the real deal. Um, you're not, you're not going to get um, a bunch of nonsense or – a, a bunch of fans talk. You're you're gonna you're gonna get what you see on the court. You're gonna get good quotes. You're gonna get great basketball insight. And every Thursday that you tune in there, you know about the Charlotte Hornets, you'll learn. And as long as you're learning, you're winning. So that's what we're gonna bring to the table. I love it. Thanks, Justin, for joining us, and and we will talk to you soon. Oh, it was a pleasure, fellas. Thank you for having me, Justin Thomas. A pleasure as always. And again. 
He will be a, a, a part of the team for Hive Talk Live Thursdays on ESPN, or excuse me, Hive Talk Live Thursdays brought to you by ESPN thir- 730. You can listen to that show live on uh, atthehive.com. It'll be broadcasted through our regular blog talk radio bug. And then you can listen to the re-air on iTunes, Stitcher, ESPN 730's website. It's going to be a cool deal. For fans of nonsense, don't worry. That's that's what Tuesdays are That's what Tuesdays. Yeah, exactly. Tuesdays I mean, that's, the nonsense isn't going anywhere. Can I preview this new segment <laughs> I came up with? Because I, oh, I, I, don't, I don't think we'll air it today. But it's um, it involves Frank Kaminsky. It involves his Twitter timeline. Great follow. They, it's, I mean, it's an absolute, it's a must follow. It's not a great follow. It's a must follow. And this segment's going to be a must listen. I'm putting it together now. But just know that it involves Frank Kaminsky and his Twitter account, and that's all you really need to know. I'm so excited for Justin to come on board and all the stuff that he's going to bring because that's really we're adding it's, it's to our roster. It's going to be more insider. Yeah, like exactly. this is more you and I discussing what we think, and then there's going to be a lot more of those quotes from Steve Clifford. There's going to be a lot more, you know, quotes from players. It's 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 another angle, and uh, we're going to be covering it from all angles. So we got to keep adding. We got to keep diversifying. We got to keep Divi- you know, diversifying our bonds. Exactly. Okay. Great. Uh, okay, so we, we're going to preview these next two games on the schedule. Uh, first up, the Hawks. Uh, their last five, they were, they're were they 3-2. and two. They inexplicably, they've been playing very well. Don't let that confuse you. But they inexplicably lost a home-and-home home to the Knicks. But they followed that up by putting up 120 points in their last two contests. Uh, against, And one of those was against the Bulls. The Hornets haven't seen the Hawks uh, since they played them in a home-and-home the second and third games of the season. Both of those Hornets losses, but they were close losses. Tight ones. Al Horford, he's doing everything right now. I mean, Al Horford is – again, I I talked about how teams have finally – some of these better teams have finally coalesced. It looks like Cleveland's pulling away in the East. But Al Horford right now doing everything. Last five games, he's averaging – 21 points, 9 rebounds, 5.6 assists, and he's shooting 63% and attempting the third most three-pointers on the Atlanta Hawks. Sure. Look, when why, why not? When, sure. Your center, yeah, when your center is turning in the third most three-pointers, uh, his name is either Spencer Hawes or he is— <laughs> Byron Mullins? <laughs> or, or he's Al Horford, and he's hitting half of them. Any questions, David, now that I've given— Now, I, I have a question for you, actually, David— how scared are you of this Hawks team on a scale of like Josh Childress to like Dominique Wilkins? That's the scale. That's the Hawks fear I, scale. I'd say I'm a Kevin Willis. I like. I think I'm a Josh Smith because I don't know if it's Josh Smith prime or if it's no. Or I'm not there. I'm not there. But like I said, I don't ever have a good feeling about playing the Hawks. I mean, honestly, because the guy you mentioned, Horford. Always seems to be a, a tough matchup for the Hornets, even with Al Jefferson in there. One guy that has struggled this season uh, for the Hawks is Kyle Korver, um, struggling. You know, relative to what he did last year, maybe not surprising, but he he has not been the same shooter that he was last year for that team last year. So that's a bit of a change. But Horford is just—I feel like he is so underrated. Um, he's just—he's just so reliable and has been that way for so long that you almost forget about him but he's just such a matchup with those long arms down there and so I don't know how you feel about it Doug I wish there was maybe someone else that could open up with coming back home but that's who's up next I think it's a it's at least better than having beaten them early in the season twice in close victories and then having this angry Hawks team show up in Charlotte. No, there's none of that. So at least the Hornets have that on their side. I mean, mean, yeah, think if, you know, thank goodness Brian Roberts didn't, you know, shoot a three. Right. And they're up 30. Hey, I I hate to interrupt this preview, but I know you really wanted to talk about the last play in the Denver Uh, game. We didn't get to it, and I want to get, we'll still preview the Pelicans here in a few minutes, but. Anthony Davis. Okay. Yeah, (laughs) over. (laughs) Tyreek Evans. Well, yeah, we'll talk about him, but let's talk about this last play in Denver. So, the Hornets had a chance to win this Denver Nuggets game. Let's not get it twisted. They didn't right. lose by 20. They lost by three. The Hornets had a chance to tie, I should say, at the end of the game. What happened, David? Did you, Okay, so this is obviously uh, an, an audio podcast, but we'll try and re- relay this because I went back and watched this play. First of all, the play didn't work. 
um, in the sense that they obviously lost the game. They did not hit a shot, but they did get two, two, two shots, two looks at a three-pointer. But let me ask you this, Doug. First question, would you have called the timeout, or would you have just let them play? I mean, that's a that's a, that's a philosophical thing. I feel like um, there was enough. I mean, time. me, I overthink everything, so I would have, I would have called the timeout. Yeah, I don't have a problem. But, I don't have a problem with it. What did I What did I say earlier? I feel like there's a, there's this sense, and and part of why I feel this way is because of what happened in Denver. Because he didn't call the timeout, I have this sense that Clifford is like, look, I've done all I can do. Yeah, I, I've coached all I can coach. It's up to you guys to. Figure something out. It was so weird to me. I'll set it up real quick. You have Batum throwing it in, which, again, we're looking at this after the fact and after it was a hot mess from beginning to end. But Batum throwing it in um, makes me a little nervous because he has been a little loose with the ball this year, uh, has been great on some plays, but has had a a, um, you know, a knack for throwing it in some tight places that maybe weren't there. All right, so let, let me interrupt you real quick. We have on the Hive Talk Live hotline uh, Bobby Rosinski from ESPN 730. He's he's one half of the team that puts together the pulse on ESPN 730. Welcome to the show, Bobby. Oh, pleasure to be on with you guys. Thank you very much. We're talking about the last play in the Denver Nuggets game. Don't know if you had a chance to see it, but the Hornets had a chance to win. They were down three, and they go to tie the game. They had a, a couple of uh, fumble ruskies. And that opportunity got thrown away, and the the debate on Twitter was whether or not Steve Clifford should have called the timeout. He had one in his pocket. Your thoughts on that last play in Denver? Yeah, you know, I think at first when you have the ball in Kemble's Walker's hands, you're going to trust him to try to make the play right there. But you're right, it went really a helter skelter there. The final five seconds. And then you have Nick Batum just throwing up a rush shot there. So for Clifford, yeah, I mean, in hindsight, would you like to call the timeout? Now would the coaches or the referees even see him because he's on the opposite side of the floor where that play is taking place there. At the end, it just comes down to execution uh, for Charlotte in that game. He shouldn't have been in that spot uh, against a bad Denver Nuggets team that was missing a couple players as they were taking on uh, Charlotte that night. I know it was tough back-to-back when he played the Clippers on Saturday and then going to the altitude of Denver on a Sunday night, but even the Denver coach talked about the lack of home court advantage that they have right now. So we can sit there and look at the end of the game and what could have happened for Charlotte, but in the end, you shouldn't have put themselves in a spot where you're trailing by three against the Nuggets. Now the Denver team didn't even score the final four and a half minutes of that basketball game, and Charlotte still couldn't overcome it. So uh, when you look on a season now at 37 games in, uh, to me that Denver loss, uh, maybe the low point we've seen for this basketball team this year. Yeah, and not to harp on this inbounds play too much, but I, I, you know, I was okay with not calling because you, you know you, you were right. You said Kemba got the rebound. There was like seven or eight seconds left, and 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 it just went. It, it looked like there was. I mean, you got Batum and, and Kemba, but you didn't get another good shot. I mean, there was plenty of time there to at least take one dribble step back and assess things, get something better than you had. But you're obviously right. To be in that position anyway was not ideal. So. You know, I don't know if he calls a timeout. You know, he called a timeout before, and the inbounds play, you know, obviously didn't work that great anyway. So it's like, hey, at this point, don't let the you could have ended up like Dwayne Casey in Toronto. Yeah, I mean, don't (laughs) let the defense get and try and get a good shot. But you know, you had to have a three, so they they knew they were guarding the three point line. And gosh, that was one that would have been nice to win on the end of this road trip that was winnable. And um, you know, just add add another one onto the pile of frustrations, I guess. Nah, no doubt the frustration of losing that game. And uh, I said a worst loss, maybe Phoenix. So it was actually the worst loss the team had. Uh, a little four-game road trip that was tough. You know, and you get seven seconds still. You want the ball in Kemba Walker's hands. So yeah. you're, you're thinking of veteran now of this league, Kemba Walker, Nick Batum, a guy you made the trade for to help out. I mean, Marvin Williams is out there. So, I mean, it's not like you're sitting there talking about a Philadelphia 76er team that uh, you never heard of most of the guys that are out there on the floor. They're, they're guys you trust. They're, they're guys that Steve Clifford think can make the right decision. And it just didn't happen. And for Denver, give them credit. I mean, they knew Charlotte needed a three, so I mean, they're going to sit there, guard the perimeter, and make it as tough as they could to, for Charlotte in that shot. And that, that's what the Nuggets did. And, uh, you know, the Hornets back at practice today. I heard you guys talking about the Atlanta Hawks a little earlier. I mean, not the team you want to come home to who has uh, owned uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the Hornets basketball team of late. And you mentioned the two games to start the season. 
And it's weird to think, you know, Charlotte was 0 3 after those two games, after dropping the, the game to the Heat as well. But I think Charlotte was a better basketball team then uh, than they are now. Because right now, with the injuries, with Big Al being out, MKG, uh, Nick Batum has got to pick it back up uh, after coming off the injury. We need to see more from him because Kemba carried this team for a while and it still led to losses. It was making me flash back to, you know, Mike Dunlap led uh, Charlotte, the Bobcat team, where it was kind of mm-hmm. Kemba Walker and nobody else. And uh, they need Nick Batum to step back up to give this team the second option. And that way it allows Marvin Williams, Frank Kaminsky, Jeremy Lynn, Jeremy Lamb to just be more in those reserve roles and let the other two guys be the stars of the team. Bobby, when you look across the – by the way, Bobby Rosinski from ESPN 730 joining us here on the Hive Talk Live hotline. Bobby, when you look across this Eastern Conference landscape, obviously the Eastern Conference across the board much better. Are the Hornets entering this danger zone now where the, the, the season could be lost all of a sudden when it looked like this could be you know a huge season of promise? Yeah, well, it was it three weeks ago? They were the number two seed in the Eastern Conference at the time. Now you're sitting here a few games out of a playoff spot in the East. And, you know, that's something we've been talking about uh, on the Pulse, just how good the Eastern Conference is now. Look, the Western Conference has the top you know, three teams. If you want to throw Oklahoma City into the conversation with Golden State and San Antonio, but I think the Hornets' record, is, if you're in the Western Conference, would be right there around the eighth seed in the playoff seed. The East is just, uh, you know, the greatness of the West and top teams they don't have, but you look at, you know, Cleveland's going to be there. The Miami Heat are really good. Toronto's good. Chicago's good. Even the New York Knicks are bouncing back to make a, a case for it. And the Hornets, you know, through the losses, you sit there and stare at home that uh, just couldn't happen with the Boston Celtics, uh, the team that made the playoffs last year as the eighth seed before getting bounced out by Cleveland there in the sweep. There's just good teams. Indiana uh, being a healthier squad this year, uh, being right there. The Detroit Pistons, uh, with the additions that they've done, uh, it's just so deep in the Eastern Conference, and for the Hornets, you have to hope that MKG is going to return, and that would be a, a huge for this team because, as Clifford's harped on lately, it's all about defense. They, you know, they, they think offense first, and they're not doing the job on defense. You get MKG back, yeah, he's the he's that defensive stopper, and then you don't have to put Nick Batum on these guys in the fourth quarter. He can focus more on offense. You have MKG, or to me, he'd just be hey, play defense. We don't need your offense. But, you know, just focus on the defensive end and see what you can do. But even if he's back for the final 25 games or so, which we've heard uh, he could be for this team at that point, it could be too late. Uh, you know, it's not like you're going to go 18 and seven in the final 25 games. Even if you have MKG. So uh, I think you're at a critical stage for this basketball team, Atlanta, Oklahoma city here on the horizon. It's definitely not getting any easier. I know there's a West coast trip uh, at the end of this month. Uh, it's not a vaunted West coast trip. I think the Lakers are involved in there, Sacramento, Portland. So you're not playing the best of the West, but you just lost two bad teams in the West with Denver and the Phoenix Suns. So tomorrow night, uh, it'd be huge for them to knock off an Eastern Conference team and just try to get a little momentum going back their way. Absolutely. Uh, we have a lot of listeners, uh, Bobby, that are not necessarily in Charlotte, uh, and they don't. Uh, maybe they don't know about the the great Hornets coverage there that that you guys are doing on the Pulse and on ESPN seven thirty. Tell us a little bit about what's going on at ESPN seven thirty and how fans can listen, whether they're in Charlotte or or maybe uh, abroad. Yeah, you can go online ESPN seven thirty dot com. Check us out. We're live at local twelve seven. Uh, Got a former GM, uh, Marty Herney of the Carolina Panthers, does a show from 12 to 3, but he definitely uh, likes to talk uh, about the Hornets a lot. We'll actually have Steve Clifford uh, on the Pulse tomorrow uh, around uh, 520 or so. We'll, we'll air an interview with the head coach of the Charlotte Hornets and get his thoughts on this team. So there's obviously a lot of Panther talk right now, but still the Hornets are a part of it. And uh, whenever that Panther season comes to an end, kind of goes full focus to Charlotte. And that's why we're hoping this team can uh, keep it together and stay afloat. So we'll have uh, some good conversation about where this team goes and what lies ahead. And I think it's going to be a fascinating offseason for Charlotte, no matter what happens this year uh, with Al Jefferson and where he goes. Nick Batum, does he stick around here? Uh, you know, Rich Joe, is he the guy here long-term now that Steve Clifford's got in this contract? So a lot of good conversations that you can have about this Hornets basketball team. Well, I will say, at least it's been much more entertaining uh, to watch this team this year after what we saw one year ago. No doubt. A- absolutely. Well, we can't wait for that uh, Hornets coverage to, to gear up or get to a higher gear, and we're excited to uh, be partnering up with you guys for Hive Talk Live Thursdays brought to you by ESPN 30, 730. And thank you for letting us borrow uh, Justin Thomas uh, for one uh, one uh, night a week. We really appreciate it. 
Whatever keeps him from blowing up my phone, I'm glad to allow that to happen. Yeah, he's blowing up my phone now, but it's good. He's, he's got good information. We love him. We love Justin. Uh, so uh, thank you so much. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. All right, sounds good. Bye. Bobby Rosinski, again, one half of the pulse on ESPN 730. You know, talking to Bobby, I just had a thought. This is dangerous, I know. I just had a thought. The Hornets haven't been involved since the beginning of the season. The Hornets haven't been involved in a lot of close games. They haven't had, they've had a lot of blowout victories. Not many blowout losses, but a lot of blowout victories. There haven't been, and if you remember last season, in the first half of their their season, the close losses, they had a lot of close, the soul crushing defeats, the non box out rebounds. But I think part, honestly, I think part of a soul crushing close defeat, there comes a positive side of that where you, then get motivated for the next game. And I think for a young team to experience that early success, that early blowout success, maybe there's this, and Steve Clifford has kind of alluded to it, that guys are looking at offense more than they are defense. Yeah. And. Well, certainly with the offensive success, you know, maybe you're just yeah. like, the shots are going to come. Our three points going to get us back in this game, which it does, which is, you know, it's good to have. But like you I'm said. I'm just saying in their victories, they really haven't had to you know, buckle down, slap the floor in the fourth quarter nah. uh, yeah. and, and get a victory with defense. Yeah. They've been yeah. able to get those victories with offense. Yeah, you're right. Hey, Doug, so <laughs> this, this, no, no, no. I just wanted to jump because we've harped on it enough, but no, jump this in. inbounds play. So you, have, you <laughs> see, so you had Batum throwing it in, right? And, and then you had Marvin like, like posting up almost right beside him. And then while that's going on, you had Kimba, I guess he was screening for, uh, for Zeller the screen didn't take. Well, it was a, it was um, kind of a decoy. Like a, yeah. He was screening for Zeller, and, and but then Zeller out. was supposed to turn, yeah. and then but and it didn't Zeller, work. Well, Zeller got held. Yeah, he he did get, and held. he couldn't he couldn't fight through that. So that didn't work. So they got tipped, but that they broke. Up. But they got it in. Yes, somehow. <laughs> right. They did the get it. The plan was not for the ball to go to Marvin. Right. And and Marvin couldn't handle the pass. My there were a couple of problems with. And by the way, this is where yeah, I, I, I want to say this. No, I want to say this to the audience that this is where Hive Talk Live. This is where you get that different <laughs> perspective because we're going deep into an inbounds. Play. It was just such a disaster. And I mean, we're not, we're not picking on them too much here, but it, it, well, two two things went wrong. First of all, I felt like Kemba rushed the shot, maybe to pick up a foul or something, but to, maybe to get the, it up. Maybe well, he to took just the get shot. It on the well, glass. he took the shot with six seconds. I felt like he could have, like normally when he gets the ball, if if there's seven, eight seconds left, he's looking to break the guy down, maybe step back for, yeah. And obviously they needed a three to tie, but I just felt like he rushed it. And then when the ball popped out to Batum, then he had to he rush had it. He had to let it fly. It just was a disaster. <laughs> It and just Batum, didn't go well. Batum had the option to throw it back to Marvin Williams on that play and opted to take the ball himself. That was the weird thing about it, though, and Bobby mentioned it, the second chance. There was a, a, a brief moment there where there could have been a, well, you could have called a timeout, um, but you didn't have to rush the second one. I mean, you know, so, and you couldn't have had two better guys involved, Kemba and Batum, and, you know, for whatever reason, it just didn't go well. They didn't take their time. Never really got a good shot at it, and I think that's the most frustrating part because you called the timeout to at least get one look, and that's happened. That you know that tends to happen, and that's a tough way for it to go. You know what I say about our fans? I say this off the air. I say this on the air. I say we have the smartest, the most intelligent Hornets fans as listeners of this show. Absolutely. And we just got a tweet from uh, Matt Chilbreezy. Long-time listener of the show, probably listened when when I was doing this out of my like garage in in Nashville, Tennessee. He just tweeted us on the Clippers broadcast versus Hornets. They talked about how Paul Silas rebuilt the inbounds playbook over the summer. So Paul Silas, former he's right there, former Hornets coach, former Bobcats coach, yep. uh, former defender of the locker room against Tyrus Thomas, <laughs> former Boris Boris Dial caller outer. Uh, and he sits behind the bench for most every home game. Just, still involved with the team, not official in any kind of. I don't know if it's really official capacity, but certainly I I totally buy that because we 
we discussed the Hornets' inbounds issues, issues. last season. Yeah, they seem to be a little better this season. Definitely a little better. A lot of box sets, a lot of four guys, you know, on the paint. There's no, they don't do any of this like line business. I don't know what you would call that. You know, where the guys all kind of gather up in a line, yeah, and then break from there. I don't know what the official basketball terminology on that is, but I mean, honestly, that's why I'm almost in favor of just letting them go when they're in that situation. And they I mean, don't do a lot. Have, they, you have a play. I mean, you, yeah. you you you'd be able to get a three point. That shot. last inbounds play was a lot. I thought there was a lot more action than on their normal, and and that's probably because it was for the game. Yeah. So you want to you want to get your best chip yeah. out there. Yeah. Oof. We spent a lot of time talking about an inbounds play, but you, but look, were, you were passionate about it. But look, it. they were down six, right? So, I mean, yeah. you know, they got that back in the position to do something, but it's not, I, again, no matter how I many think, times I think if Steve Clifford were on this show right now, he would say that inbounds play doesn't matter because they didn't play. They let – well, really, the starters didn't play well against the Denver starters again. And we haven't even mentioned Denver's uniforms. The all-white. Katie, white white gold producer Katie, who by the way is at Time Warner Cable at an autograph signing. She's getting a, a mini ball autographed by several Hornets players that we will give away on this show. We're a very giving show, so we're giving away tickets. By the way, the hashtag I'm going to give it out right now. If you want to get involved in this ticket giveaway, Utah versus Charlotte at Time Warner Cable Arena, January 18th, two o'clock p.m. Tip. You're, you're, you could be off work. A lot of people are. It's uh, Martin Luther King Day. The hashtag is hashtag tweet us, hashtag Hive Talk Live Thursdays, because we're really excited about this Thursday show on ESPN 730. We've talked to Justin Thomas. We've talked to Bobby Rosinski from ESPN 730. We're happy to to partner with them, and that's the hashtag. So tweet us at Hive Talk Live, hashtag Hive Talk Live Thursdays. And you'll get two entries. Even if you've already entered, even if you've already retweeted or tweeted us, you'll get two extra entries into that contest. We are a giving show, David. Someone it's take all, the stuff. Take all, it off our hands. It's all, but you can't have my Baron Davis, number one. I got a Baron Davis now on a Jamal Mashburn Classic Hornets jerseys. I won't ever give those no, away. No, 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 no. Those are mine. Hey, speaking of Baron Davis, uh, this is our one last thing. I saw this tweet right before the show went on. Baron Davis, his agent, telling multiple basketball writers that he will be signing with the D-League. Really? Baron Davis has been notably trying to come back, probably talk to a couple of teams. and Is he filming this? Is he documenting this? Is I don't it know. Just, is it all basketball I'm reasons? In. I'm in. I don't care. I hope he is. I hope it's a YouTube thing. Hey. I'm just I'm all about B. Diddy. He's one of my favorite players. So I'm going to cheer for him. But I think I'm it's well, here's what I think, honestly, if I'm being serious. I think it's it's good for the D League. I think it's good for the D League in the sense that it needs to be more than just young guys people haven't heard of. Yeah, like like bring in some legends. I, well, bring not, in some 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 Yeah, I mean th- that's one part of it, but I think it also needs to turn into where guys who may be injured. We saw that with uh, Brandon Jennings, right? Yep. It needs to be more of that. There needs to be that this is a development league, but it's also like a league where even if you've been in the NBA and you've you've played well in the NBA, you can still go down there and get some action. And it also opens up the possibility. I mean, it's kind of a reach, but... Are you thinking he'll end up in Greensboro? It could be. <laughs> Could be, uh, could you know? Who knows? Maybe, maybe I'm dreaming. Maybe he ends up uh, wearing the purple and teal once more. It would be a fitting end. I would buy. You know, we talked about when Kobe was in Charlotte for his farewell tour. The Kobe Bryant, the K Bryant custom new Hornets jersey. Yeah. <laughs> if if Baron Davis was part of the swarm, the Greensboro swarm, you could do it. I would I would do you that in a second. I would custom B Davis. Oh, and I'm thinking about doing it right now, and he's not even on the swarm. Hey, Doug. Yeah. One random last thing for you, okay. and I just thought a of second this. last thing. You know, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, trade rumors. We've talked a little bit about them. Mm-hmm. One name that I think is out there and may start to be out there more from another team is 
Joachim Noah, and I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, well, did you? Is he linked to the Hornets? No, like, is that no, no. I'm the... just making this up. Oh, okay, good. I'm just, uh, just, just curious. I mean, I think you know they they may explore that. Um, you need some defensive and some rim protection. There's some issues with his injury, and you know what what he can provide <laughs> at this point. Let me. I'm just sorry. I'm looking. I'm looking at Twitter. All right, we have a we have a, a correction to issue. Uh, so Matthew is tweeting us again. It's actually Stephen Silas, not not right. legendary Hornets coach Paul Silas, but his son Stephen Silas. That's an easy mistake to make. So and and there you go. Hmm. Stephen Silas is the one that rebuilt the inbounds playbook for the Hornets. Okay, it's been better. I feel like. There haven't been yeah. as much. There haven't been as many like Gerald Henderson type plays. You know, throw it up at the rim. All right, but I'm, so I'm he co- did that this year, is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes more sense. Did I not say it correctly? I, well, in my head, I was saying, oh, when Paul Silas Paul Silas was here, he rebuilt the inbounds playbook, and I was like, that's great. Can they no, maybe, maybe 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 bring him into a huddle? You know, maybe just lean back there, say, hey, Paul, just poke in here for a second. See, that's where, and I and I again, I think the mistake is understandable because. I think Matthew, like us, enjoys the idea of Paul Silas sitting behind the bench, not really being involved in an official capacity, but being involved in a wink, wink. Oh yeah, unofficial. I like that because I, I like Paul Silas. <laughs> Who doesn't? Nice. You better. You better like him. <laughs> you listen to this show, and you but don't anyway, like Paul Silas. I don't. I don't think Noah will end up here. It's just. It's just kind of interesting. Well, you know? I think. Look, yeah, I've. I've obviously. I've, I think you would fill a need. You don't even need him to score, which he's not doing right now. I've obviously lobbied for Solomon Hill. I think that he would be a great body and a defensive presence and can shoot occasionally. Mm-hmm. And I just think whoever you bring in has to be somebody that really gets their jollies on defense. Whether that's a center, whether that's interior, or whether that's you know, just an all-around good defensive play. It's somebody that has to get energized by playing defense because going back again, wrapping this up to the beginning of the show, I just look across the spectrum of this, and even the the best or the defensive specialist on the starting lineup, P.J. Hairston, I just don't know that that guy gets his jollies on defense. He's doing it very well at times when he's not fouling, but I just don't think that inside he's getting juiced up for a defensive play. He's yeah. getting more juiced up for a long three-pointer that yeah. goes Sure, 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 sure. That's my, by the way, that's my impression of a P.J. Harrison three. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, and then in. And then. Well, I, I'm just <laughs> Love curi- you, P.J. I, I'm curious to see how itchy that, that, that trade finger gets for Rich Joe because I, I don't even, I don't know if he'll wait until the trade deadline at this point. I mean, the way things are going, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see because certainly, you know, Win now has been mentioned more than once. Well, trade uh, the, team, the so. trade happened today. Did you see the trade that came across the wire today? Joe Harris, even though he had the Joe Harris, the Joe Harris was traded from Cleveland to. It was a weird like <laughs> it was a weird three team deal. So I'm not sure on the specifics, but the Magic, I think the Kings were involved. Second round picks. It was basically a tax deal for Cleveland. They had to get under mm. uh, some kind of tax. Sorry, umbrella. sorry, Joe. But Joe, he so he had successful surgery on a knee or a leg or a head. I don't know. And <laughs> this is not the starters, folks. I pay attention to the Hornets. <laughs> I don't pay attention to to you know fourth uh, depth chart point guards on Cleveland. Um, but he had successful surgery. It made me think: like, has in the history of the National Basketball Association, has anyone ever had an unsuccessful surgery? <laughs> like, you just never see that. It's always. This guy had a successful surgery on his knee. Well, I would say. And I, I never yeah, see the X-rays. Say, I never see the X-rays being couple, positive. There's a couple of Thunder players who have not had so successful surgery. Well, that's the, the thing. But they, but it was successful at the time. I want to. It was briefly. You just never see like. It was briefly. You never see Derrick Rose had an unsuccessful surgery. I mean, it sort of go, goes that way. But <laughs> I think yeah, I think if uh, I think they keep going until it's successful. <laughs> Right, <laughs> we're gonna. So they're not gonna say we're gonna stop this for the day. Unsuccessful. We'll get back, take another swipe at it. They next just week. don't. They don't tweet that. Yeah. They they wait. They wait until it is successful, and then they tweet it. Yeah. All well. right. Well, uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll call that a show. That'll do it for us. We Horns needed fans. the ER theme music there. I know. Maybe next time. 
Uh, thanks so much to our guest, Justin Thomas, uh, soon to be not guest, soon to be part of this team starting on January 21st when we do Hive Talk Live Thursdays. Also, Bobby Rosinski, listen to The Pulse on ESPN 730. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hive Talk Live for live game updates and more. Go to atthehive.com for all the latest news and analysis for David. And producer Katie, I'm Doug saying stay bought in, stay believing. All hail the teal and purple.